My name's Angelo and welcome to We Want Picks. Let's react. Let's recap. Let's talk about UFC 283. What an awesome card that was. And it was awesome for us as well. This is every single bet that we put on the board for UFC 283. This includes the premium bets and the free ones that are just in the videos we do every single week. If you tailed all of them, if you're a premium member and you copy-pasted, which I don't usually recommend, but if you copy-pasted every single bet we put on the board, you would have 9.18 units of net profit. If you followed the safety parlay, the base hit, the three-leg hit, the fourth leg missed, but you would still have one unit of net profit even with that miss, all of our UFC Vegas 68 picks and bets are up now, and that'll continue to come out as those lines continue to move. Let's talk about the actual fights. Jacob's underdog lock of the week, Daniel Marcos, got it done. He was a plus 130 underdog. I picked him as well. I didn't lock him in like Jacob did. I didn't bet on him like Jacob did, but what a start the lock of the week is having for him. Anyway, we talked about this fight. We talked about how Simon's more of a jiu-jitsu guy than anything. And he hates pressure. And if you strike with him, he will turn and cower. That's exactly what this fight looked like. Outside of 29 spinning back fists, that's what this fight was. Simon doesn't have the wrestling to get it to the ground. Couldn't get it to the ground, so he was smoked on his feet. That's it. The weirdest thing to me this week was I did my breakdown. I basically said Simon's a jiu-jitsu nerd. I said it nicer than that. And everybody, not everybody, but... The overwhelming majority of the comments for that breakdown were, what are you talking about? You didn't do your research. He's a Muay Thai guy. He's a Muay Thai guy. Did he look like a Muay Thai? Did that look like an experienced striker to you? No. Of course not. The dude, yes, he has a high guard Muay Thai stance, but he is not comfortable. He turns like it's his second boxing match ever, and he just doesn't handle pressure well, and that's exactly what happened here? Daniel Marcos put on the pressure, got it done. Jacob's underdog lock of the week is off to a phenomenal start for 2023. Listen, can we agree Josiah Nunez is overrated as hell, but tough, insanely tough, but overrated? This video, so if you guys remember, I broke down UFC 283, I don't know, a month ago at this point. During the break, the three-week lull, I broke it down. I had no odds. There were no odds. I just broke down, said who I was you know, picking to win, and then mentioned what bets you should be looking for. I said you should not bet on this fight. I assume the odds are... I think I literally said Josiane Nunez is probably going to be a favorite here, but this is going to be a much closer fight. People clowned me for that take. And then Josiane Nunez's line took off. She closed as a minus 700. People put that... People saw her at minus 600 and said, there's some value here. And listen, she won the fight. So those money line people got paid. But did she look like a minus 700, minus four? She didn't look like a minus 200 favorite in that fight. She was almost finished in the first round. Zara Farron, I mentioned she's 0-2 in the UFC and people are just, oh, she sucks. She's the worst. Look, her first two fights in the UFC were Felicia Spencer and Megan Anderson. Those were her first two fights in the UFC. Both of them took her down and smoked her. Jose and Nunes couldn't put Ramona Pascal out, but everybody was convinced that the under one and a half and that the first round knock, everybody's convinced that was what's going to happen. And I just didn't understand it. So Jose and Nunes is stupid tough because Zara Farron put it on her in the first round and Jose and Nunes stayed, continued pushing forward. I mean, it was a 29-28 decision that was probably fair, literally, 
because of Jose Nunez's forward pressure, grit, toughness, and just the wild winging trying to get it done. Zerafan's probably done. She's super old, three-fight losing streak, but she looks good. And she was entertaining. She took her licks. She gave some licks. I hope, I mean, if she wants to be retired, then go ahead and retire. I hope they don't cut her like, oh, three losses in a row. Give her another striker that you're trying to build up and let's see how good they actually are. Because Zerafan, much better than everybody gave her credit for. Jose Nunes is overrated, but insanely tough. I think she's, we'll see what her next matchup is, but the smart money is going to be on fading Jose Nunes in her next fight. And holy crap, these Bonfim brothers are the real deal. I faded them both. I was wrong. I thought Munir Lazez could out-technique. And Terrence McKinney, that one was like a 50-50. I wasn't convinced Terrence was going to win. But I was like, you know, he's probably the more talented guy. couple of takeaways. Terrence McKinney sucks. And that's a broad brush statement. That's obviously not true. He doesn't suck. But how could you be a Juco All-American wrestler and not really try to wrestle? He was taken down. I mean, it was just, it was just embarrassing. It was just embarrassing. And I'll never clown somebody who goes out there and fights their hardest because I don't have the guts to do that. And if you're going to go out there and do, look at the main event, Glover went out there, did everything in his power to win that fight. He couldn't, but he did everything possible. Do you think Terrence McKinney did everything possible to win that fight? I don't. He looked like he got tired early. He didn't go to his wrestling. He would just head down and just wing wild punches. I He needs, hopefully that was humbling, right? Because the Drew Dober knockout was very different. He almost had Drew Dober dead to rights and then got caught and whatever and it was short notice, fine. This was very different. Full camp, got smoked. Hopefully it's humbling. Hopefully he moves himself to a, a different gym that'll hold him a little more accountable. I think the problem with Terrence McKinney right now is he is the best guy or one of the best guys or at least the most talented guy in his gym. So he's not getting pushed. He's not getting pressured. And he's probably not being told, hey, more cardio. Hey, lean on your wrestling. They're just seeing how naturally gifted he is and how talented he is and his potential and, and probably just leaning into that. Enough about Terrence. Let's talk about the Bonfim brothers. These guys really are the real deal. Like, holy crap. They both had incredible crisp striking. They both had incredible grappling. They both were not overwhelmed by the moment. These guys are the real deal. I love the brother dynamic. Like, I love everything about this. I was dead wrong in my picks with these two. I love everything about this. We'll see what their next matchups are. I have a feeling that they're going to be massive favorites. But uh, these guys are awesome. I don't know if I want them to continue to fight on the same card because if one of them loses, it'll definitely affect whoever fights second. But overall, these two dudes are the very, very real deal and credit to anybody who was betting on them. I didn't. What I should I should have just done a fun brothers parlay. I didn't. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But these guys are legit. I am definitely looking forward to their next outing. The biggest winning dog on the card, my buddy, Bruno Fajeda. I picked him to win. I did a $20. For me, a unit is 100 bucks. Same with for Jacob. I threw 20 bucks on him to win. That's 0.2 units. I think the odds were plus 270. And you guys hated that pick. You hated that bet. I did the show. I was absolutely not. Gregory Rodriguez is amazing. There's no way Gregory loses this fight. I was like, listen, guys. 
That dude is hit way too much. His face was, you saw into his brain four months ago, and Bruno Fajeda hits like a freight train. I get it. Gregory Rodriguez is the better fighter. But this is a quick turnaround for a dude who gets touched a lot, and Bruno Fajeda is a big, big, powerful guy. He's not tall, but he is powerful. The original breakdown was Gregory Rodriguez versus Brad Tavares. Once Brad dropped and Bruno jumped in, I went to the money line. I was going to pound it with Gregory Rodriguez. And I was like, eh, hold on. Let me let me do my research first. Did my research. I was like, Gregory Rodriguez is in trouble. This is a much tougher matchup than Brad Tavares. Brad Tavares offers no threats, no danger. Bruno Fajeda is all danger, all threats. So biggest winning dog on the card. I'm proud of myself for this pick. I know a couple of you, I don't know how many of you actually tailed it, but I know I scared a few of you away from betting on Gregory Rodriguez because I saw those comments. Like, thank God, a year ago, I would have blindly bet Gregory Rodriguez, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, hope I helped some of you avoid the Gregory Rodriguez bet. But Bruno Fajeda, he's not that good. He's not that good. I don't want this to be the the song and dance I just did for the Bonfim brothers. Bruno Fajeda is probably a fade next fight. He is not that good. He was swinging at air. He was swinging at air the first half of that round, like just literally like a foot and a half away from from touching Gregor Rodriguez early on. Then obviously he connected. He's a powerful guy. He is patient with his strikes. He bounces in and out. But if you get somebody with better defense who doesn't get hit as much as Gregor Rodriguez, Bruno Fajeda is going to get touched up, 100%. So let's see his next matchup, and he may be an awesome fade in his next fight because his his line may be overinflated with what he just did right here. Goodbye to a legend, Shogun Hua. This is it. This is a swan song. Couple of things. Ihor Pateria, listen, the, the way he celebrated after beating Shogun, I know a lot of people hated that, and I get I hated it too. It was it's like, what are you doing, man? You're in Brazil. This dude's a legend. That is a Stefan Bonner tattoo on his arm, right? If you look at that arm, that is a Stefan Bonner. Bonner tattoo. I'm almost positive it is. I might be wrong. It looks exactly like that famous Stefan Bonner brutalized face. If that is a Stefan Bonner tattoo, correct me if I'm wrong, and I may be looking like an idiot right now. If that is, then you, then obviously Ehor knows exactly who Shogun is, grew up watching him. So to celebrate like that after beating him, a little disrespectful, but also he just got the biggest win of his career in a sold out stadium on a pay-per-view main card. So give him five minutes of slack. Because then he came back to reality and was showing Shogun the respect. So, goodbye to a legend. Go watch Shogun highlights if you've never seen him fight outside of like the last couple of years. Where, I mean, he's like 41. He looks like he's 68. He is not aging well. Steroids are going to do that to you. And that's not like an insult or jab. He's talked about it. In Pride, they all took steroids and it was like no big deal. And that'll age you a little faster than you should be aging. Either way, Ariel Hawani is obviously loving this whole... Dude hates Dana, hates the UFC, and loves it at the same time. Weird dynamic there. But anyway, he is loving this whole angle of Shogun, 16 years, former champion, retires, gave the company everything, and he has no no pension, no health insurance. I actually agree with all of those points. It is a little absurd that somebody could, could take years off their life for entertainment, make big money. I mean, let's not pretend Shogun Hua hasn't made a lot of money. Made big money doing it, but then the paycheck stopped yesterday. Yesterday was the last paycheck. That's it. He has to go find a new stream of income. There is no pension. There is no health insurance. If he twists his ankle tomorrow, 
How's he going to pay for that? So I actually agree with all of that, especially these tenured guys that have put in their time, champions, what have you. There definitely needs to be some sort of, not the NFL model but or the baseball model, but I mean, they're paying Bobby Bonilla today. They could retire 30 years ago. He's still getting paid. A little extreme there, but there's got to be some healthy balance. More BJJ nerds taking L's. BJJ nerds is a term that Jacob, I don't know if he invented it, but Jacob started saying that. A couple of months ago, talking about these just desperate to grapple, no takedowns, no strike, just desperate to grapple, guys. I I was insanely confident in Johnny Walker. I had two units on him at minus 170. I had him in the base of the safety parlay, and I know a lot of you love Paul Craig, and a lot of people were, were throwing out, I bet you $500, and then obviously just disappear into thin air because they're... It's so the internet's a weird place, man. It's it's okay to like talk like a normal person and be like, "Hey, I think you're wrong. I think Paul Craig wins, but we'll see." Like you don't and not everything is in absolutes, especially when we talk about fist fights. Anyway, there's a bunch of people talking in absolutes about Paul Craig smoking Johnny Walker. And I just didn't understand that take because Paul Craig kind of sucks. He's phenomenal off his back. He's very very tough, but his wrestling is horrendous. His striking's not bad, but his wrestling is horrendous. And if he can't submit you, he has nothing to offer. Nothing. And he can't really offensively wrestle. And this picture is a, is the epitome. So I watched the fights last night. I had four or five people over because I have friends in real life. Sorry for the basement buddies on Twitter. And we watched the fights together. And, and we're at different levels of understanding and appreciating the sport, right? Some of us are there just to drink and hang out. Some of us know what they're talking about, do research, etc. One of my buddies is watching this fight, watching Paul Craig just get beat on, just have his face getting pounded on, going, let go of the leg? Why are you not letting go of the leg? And yeah, let go of that leg, dude. Your brains are smacking all the sides of your skull. Let go of the leg. So... Yeah, hopefully this was just a wake-up call for the people obsessed with some of these jujitsu nerds. It's 2023. If you don't have the offensive wrestling, then your only game plan can't be jujitsu. You at least need the wrestling. You at least need the striking. If you have phenomenal striking and phenomenal jujitsu, then you can get your opponent to take desperate shots, create a scramble from there. But if you only have phenomenal jujitsu and you don't have the means to get it to the ground, then what are you doing? So... Paul Craig, done. You guys are going to hate this take. I mean, the fan base for Paul, and I get it. We all have our favorite fighters, but at least be like realistic about what your fighter is or is not. And Paul Craig is not a well-rounded guy. Big, handsome, good-looking, dangerous, fun guy to watch. He could win any fight at any moment, but he needs to get it to the ground. He just doesn't have the skills to get it there. This was another, uh, I picked Gilbert Burns to win. Gilbert Burns was the third leg of the safety parlay, I believe. I could be wrong. I'm, I'm almost positive he was. But my take on this fight was, I was like, I think this line's a little disrespectful to Neil Magny. I think Gilbert Burns wins. But I think Neil Magny's super tough, super long. He's going to be able to hang in there. He's well-rounded. I was, Pick was right. And the take was wrong. Gilbert Burns smoked Neil Magny. Smoked Neil Magny. I mean, this was this was exactly what Gilbert Burns needed to do. When he fought Shimaev, he was in that firefight. 
throwing bombs. And I was worried that he was going to come into this fight looking to strike and throw bombs. But he went back to what he did to Wonderboy, what he did to Tyron Woodley. Stick with the wrestling, stick with the grappling, come forward, work from there. I love, I love that that's what Gilbert Burns did. And that is solid coaching and a good team around him that haven't let him forget what he's good at and where he came from. Because how many fighters have we seen that start to develop their hands? Their hands start to look good. They have some success there. And then over time, they just abandon what they were. Tyron Woodley is actually a perfect example. The dude was a nasty, and he hasn't fought in a while, and I get all that, a nasty wrestler who got a few knockouts and just couldn't get back to the wrestling. Just couldn't do it. And then his career started to fall apart. I love to see somebody like Gilbert Burns add tools, but continue to stick with the core of his game plan, which is the grappling. So Gilbert Burns, I mean, I don't know what's next for him. I don't know if he's necessarily ready for a title shot because he, you know, he's one and one in his last two, but I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. Man, I blew this one. I I, I thought Figueredo was going to smoke Moreno. I was like, he's the better fighter. If you just watch that last fight, he dropped Moreno three times, dropped him three times, had more takedown. Like, I, I was way off. I was way, way off. Brandon Moreno beat up Divas and Figueredo, earned this belt. And what's what's crazy is my whole narrative, and I was wrong, my whole narrative going into this fourth fight was they fought three times and Figgy won two of them, which is true. The first fight was technically a draw, but it was only a draw because it was a point deduction. And the third fight, he straight up beat him. So I was like, they fought three times already. One dude won two of the three. And now they fought four times. And Brandon Moreno is the only one that has two of the finishes. So congratulations to Brandon Moreno. This dude is crazy tough, continuing to improve. The, the last minute switching of camps didn't affect him whatsoever. And that eye poke narrative is an interesting one because... I could fully understand. People calling Davis and Figueredo dirty for pretending he was poked in the eye. Dude, this part, where's the camera? This part went in the, I guarantee it felt like an eye poke. I'm sure it felt like an eye poke. So I don't think he was cheating by being like, I was poked in the eye. I don't think he was cheating at all. But he wasn't poked in the eye and Herb Dean did the right thing. Because I saw it, Ariel Hawani, again, who hates the UFC, being like blown call by Herb Dean. That was not a blown. That was actually a perfect call by Herb Dean. It was not an eye poke. Same side of that coin. I don't think Davison Figueredo was cheating. I think he actually thought he was poked in the eye. So anyway, fun fight, phenomenal fight. Davison Figueredo's jujitsu looked on point. I thought that heel hook that looked close. Even if he wasn't going to get it. Moreno's knee was not bending in a direction it should have been. So I was like, holy crap, he did it. Either way, great fight. We do not need to see a fifth. We do not need to see a fifth. Let's get some new blood in there. I think Pantoja smokes Moreno. I mean, I I, I don't think Moreno's title reign is going to be very long, unfortunately. But let's watch because no matter what, that dude goes out there and he puts it on the line for us and we get our money worth every single time that dude fights. And the main event, goodbye to another legend Glover retired, and I, if that wasn't the, the perfect retirement speech, not perfect retirement conditions, perfect conditions would have been he won that belt. The perfect retirement speech, though, right? He's like, I'm too tough for my own good. I can't keep doing this. And that's 100% correct. If he's not one of the toughest dudes to ever fight in the UFC, ever, I don't know who is. Name three dudes that are tougher 
than Glover Teixeira. That dude will never stop coming forward no matter what is happening. He will never quit on himself. He will continue to try and win that fight. And he had moments. He had moments in that fight. There was a couple of those takedowns. I think he had two total. A couple of those takedowns, you're like, oh boy, oh, he's about to get his back. He landed a couple of solid shots and it didn't matter what came his way. He was in that fight. Terrence McKinney, take notes. Because Terrence McKinney has more different weight classes, circumstances, I get it. But I was trashing Terrence McKinney earlier. He has more raw talent than Glover ever had. But Glover is where he is. He has the records that he has and is a former champion because of the hard work, the grit, and the never say die attitude. Then you get somebody like Terrence McKinney who's insanely talented. It gets a little tough and he's done. And that's the difference. That's what sets legends apart from everybody else. So that's the Glover speech. The Jamal Hill speech, I mean, he looked great. He looked great. It's was somewhat short notice, not entirely short, but somewhat short notice. And he looked great. I would say half or maybe even more than half of Glover's takedowns were fake. They were just, a, you know, oh, oh, am I coming here? Nope, let me come up big over the hand right. I'm going to touch the legs, come up overhand right. So not all of them were true entries intended to be actual takedown attempts, but Jamal Hill still stuffed all the real takedown attempts, was taken down, was in, I don't want to say in trouble, but was in positions where he could have been in trouble, worked his way up, kept his composure, continued to come forward, didn't get frustrated that he couldn't put Glover out of there, didn't get frustrated when Glover actually landed a few Jamal Hill has proven he has cardio. He's proven that he's an accurate striker. He's proven he's got takedown defense. Jamal Hill's very, very, very good. And I'm looking forward to his first title defense. I don't know if it's going to be against Ankalaev. And this is where Jolton Almeida messed up. If that dude did not go to heavyweight, if he stayed at light heavyweight and did what he's been doing, he'd get a crack at the light heavyweight. It, I mean, how could you deny him the murdering he's doing to people? So unfortunately for Jolton, he went to heavyweight. But if he stayed at light heavyweight, he would have been next up for the title. But anyway, all in all, a phenomenal card. I'm so glad. I know it was $80 price point. They upped it. I got my $80 worth. Let me know what you guys think if you felt like you got your money's worth. Again, these are all the bets that we put on the board for 283. You can pause anything you want here to check those out. If you're a premium member, you saw all of those bets all week long, and hopefully you picked your spots and made as much money as we did. But premium membership is not just bets. We have a DraftKings optimizer, full DraftKings slate of content and data and insight, including cheat sheets. Same exact thing with FanDuel. Last night, Monkey Knife Fight crushed again. Underdog Fantasy crushed. We have all sorts of content for premium members, not just some bets to copy-paste. WeWantPicks.com at the top. Click Become a member to unlock that now. We have UFC Vegas 68, the Lewis versus Spivak card, the bets, the picks, the parlay, all that's up there already. And if you want $50 for free, I'm just handing it, I'm throwing, making it rain 50 bucks. Just go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Use our link to sign up with any one of our affiliate partners, make a deposit, and I'll send you 50 bucks. They pay us, we pay you. Very simple. Stay tuned. Tuesday night live call-in show. If you hate my guts, you love us, you want to talk about fights, call into the show and chat with us. Just think old school sports radio. We'll see you on Tuesday and check out all the Vegas 68 stuff behind the paywall.